Mariano Rivera, the career saves leader whose elegant efficiency helped the Yankees win five World Series on Tuesday, became the first player ever elected unanimously to the Baseball Hall of Fame, writes journalist Tyler Kepner. Rivera signed with the Yankees in 1990 for $3,500, took over as the team's closer in 1997, the year he discovered his devastating cut fastball. Rivera retired in 2013, compiling 652 saves with a 2.21 earned run average, the lowest in baseball history for anyone born after 1889. He was the last player to regularly wear number 42, retired by Major League Baseball in honor of Jackie Robinson. Two other right-handed pitchers, Roy Holiday and Mike Messina, were also elected on Tuesday. Holiday on the first try, Messina on the sixth. You'll find a photograph of Rivera and Holiday. Hall of Famers on your bulletin cover. Rivera is on the left. Holiday is on the right. Tragically, Roy Holiday died on November 7th of 2017 at the age of 40 in a small plane accident. Perhaps you know that story. Why are they on our bulletin cover? In one of his final interviews, Holiday recalled a tutorial with Rivera at the 2008 All-Star Game, writes Kepner. I've been watching Rivera a lot, and my, my cutter was pretty good, but it wasn't always consistent, Holiday said in March 2017 at a training complex in Florida. There were times when it would be really good, and at other times when it wasn't. Mariano helped me. So what knowledge did Mariano Rivera share with Holiday that that changed his life, that grew his ability to pitch to the extent he was elected to the Hall of Fame? As we begin a new year in worship, we are considering how to to make these next 12 months a a time of growth, personal or, or professional or relational or spiritual. Our series is called Flourish, How to Grow a Great Year, and we're focusing on verses in the 20th chapter of Exodus called by scholars the Decalogue. Deca means ten, and log originates with the Greek word logos, which means word. Culturally, we call these verses the, the Ten Commandments, but Jewish scholars consider them more to be Words and sayings and teachings. Words that Old Testament scholar Terence Fretheim notes, where God says to us, here is how to shape your best life. Two Sundays ago, we lifted up the first word, which was worship, or in its old English derivation, worthiness. And we asked ourselves, what would this year look like if we viewed our our decisions and our time and our wealth through that lens? 
through the lens of worship or worthiness? What would happen if we steered our decisions in our time and our wealth through that first word, worship? Last Sunday, we considered the word Sabbath and reflected on how God rested on the seventh day. So too does God say to us, remember the Sabbath. And we need rest and renewal as God rested on the seventh day. This morning, we turn to the third word in verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that God is giving you. To honor him aright, writes poet Wendell Berry, a National Humanities Award winner who we have been spending time with the last few Sundays. To honor him aright, And Wendell's writing about his father. To honor him aright, I call him back to mind. Remember him again when he was my age now. And straighter backed than I. What did I learn from him? He taught the difference between good work and sham between nonsense and sense. He taught me sentences. He served with mind and hand what we were hoping for, the small house on the land, the shade tree by the door, a garden and smokehouse and cellar, abounding and no year lived at next year's cost. I wonder, do you honor your parents, as Barry puts it, aright? When was the last time you honored your parents? And what does that look like to honor our parents? Have you ever, for example, thought of your father or your mother at that age that you are now as a means to honor them as they were at a certain point in time? Do you ever think of what your mother or your father might have taught you? The difference, as Barry puts it, between good work and sham, nonsense, and sons, how do you honor your mother and your father? With his cutter, Kepner writes, Holiday suspected the problem was his thumb position. Sure enough, Holiday said, Rivera taught me that one of the keys for him was making sure he wrapped his thumb under the ball. Rivera showed holiday the technique by by bending his thumb at the knuckle and tucking it under the ball so that the nail was even with the middle finger and not the index finger. Why was that important, that inch or so? That allowed the index and middle fingers to pull through and send the ball on its path, veering inside to left-handed hitters 
and away from right-handed hitters. Did it feel natural, asked Kepner, making this adjustment? It took a little while, Holliday said, and it was awkward at times. So one time when it was really good, I traced my fingers on the ball. I took a black ink pen and traced it right where my finger placement was. I put it in a locker and kept it with me. In the three years that followed, Holiday was the best pitcher in baseball. He won a Cy Young Award, pitched a perfect game. He threw that cutter 40% of the time. And if he ever lost the feel of it, he knew what to do. He'd go in that locker and find the ball and put his fingers where he had traced Rivera's fingers. Holiday said, wherever I went, if I was struggling, I'd just pick it up and I carried it with me the rest of my career. In his book on Exodus 20, noted preacher Willem Willimon makes this observation. He says, Nothing is quite as ontologically revealing as our belly button. The fourth commandment reminds us where we came from, that we are begotten, we're not manufactured. In other words, we have been created not not to stand alone, but rather to, to need one another. Nurtured within someone's womb, each of us has been parented. No matter how old we become, no matter how many children we ourselves may have, we never get over being both a child of God and having parents. Now, this doesn't mean it will always be perfect we are mothers or fathers, if we are daughters and sons. If we remember, Willimon reminds, the only episode we have from Jesus' childhood is the trouble at the temple where Jesus seems to mistreat his parents by staying behind in Jerusalem to debate theology with scholars at the temple, and his parents lost track of him. We all know that parents and children can get their signals crossed. Actions and words are are misinterpreted. Action and words are expressed that we regret. Relationships can go sideways and they can go backwards. Which led me this week to wonder about the entomology of the word honor. What does that really mean? What does it look like when we honor someone? What I discovered was fascinating in our passage. The Hebrew word translated as honor, kabad, is actually more commonly translated as heavy or weighty, grievous, rich, and glorious. Meaning, according to this verse, God perceives our our relationship with our parents as existing within that framework, as something that is 
heavy and weighty and rich and glorious. I wonder, have you ever felt your relationship with your parents had an element of kabod to it? That it was at times heavy and weighty and hard and rich and glorious. Now, the reason Kabbad is translated as honor is, is previous verses in this passage teach that we, we should honor God. And translators are, are making a judgment call and stating what is meant in this verse is we should similarly honor our parents as we honor God. But the original audience who knew Hebrew... Moses and the Israelites at the bottom of Mount Sinai, they likely understood the the broader meaning of the word kabod. And I suspect hearing that word spoken by God did did two things. First, it acknowledged at times these relationships can be weighty and hard. But they should also hold a significant priority and place in our lives. They should not be ignored or taken lightly. One definition of kabod I found interesting is it references that which is heavier than sand, meaning kabod is to not shift or to blow away. Kabod means to be Heavy in the sense to, to remain in place, to, to abide, to be steady, even though events in our lives might swirl around us. Did it feel natural right away? asked Kepner. It took a little while, Holiday said. It was so awkward at times that when it was really good, I just took a black pen and traced it right where my finger placement was and I put it in a locker and I kept it with me and if he ever lost the feel for that cutter he knew then where to place his fingers Holiday said I'd just pick it up and I knew what to do when I read about Rivera and Holiday this week I thought of the word kabod. I thought of how their relationship recognized, as Willeman put it, that we are not created to stand alone, but we need one another. I thought of how Revere offered holiday kabod by teaching him that which was likely most precious to him as a father or mother would to a child, as Wendell Berry's father did for him out on the farm. In Rivera's case, this was the unique skill of throwing a nearly unhittable pitch. I thought of how Holiday honored Rivera by tracing the location of his thumb on that baseball and carrying it wherever he went to remind him how to do it right. Kabod 
your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that God is giving you. May we all, I pray in 2019, come to embrace this word, this teaching, as mothers and fathers, as daughters and sons, offering honor, offering each other kabod, and seeking to remain in place in our relationships to abide, to be steady, though events and life might swirl around us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.